Today on the Matt Walsh Show, more information has come out about what could quite possibly be the biggest scandal in history, and yet it's treated as a minor sideshow at best. Also, Kamala Harris thoroughly embarrasses herself on camera. We're used to that by now, but this one is pretty bad, even by her standards. And an Australian politician puts out what is accidentally the most racist video you will ever see. It also happens to be totally hilarious. And a doctor brags publicly about refusing to take her injured son to the doctor for fear of covid Finally, in our daily cancellation, I will go toe-to-toe with every anti-Johnny the Walrus video on YouTube. There are a bunch of them, and we're canceling all of them today on The Matt Wall Show. You know, the pro-life movement must maintain its momentum now more than ever. And what better way to help than by supporting the charities and causes that you care about Even if the Supreme Court were to strike down Roe v. Wade, abortion will still exist in America across the country. Charity Mobile is the pro-life phone company. They partner with you to automatically support the pro-life, pro-family charities of your choice with 5% of your monthly plan price. And uh, they've sent millions of dollars to charities so far, and they're going to send millions more this year. New activations and eligible accounts get a free cell phone with free activation and free shipping. When you mention offer code Walsh, certain restrictions apply. Charity Mobile makes, makes it easy to switch. You can just keep your existing phone number. And you might even be able to keep your existing phone. All of their monthly plans include unlimited domestic minutes and messages, which can be shared by up to eight lines on a a family plan. There are no contracts, there are no termination fees, and there's no risk with their 30-day guarantee. Great live customer support and a great nationwide coverage on America's most reliable network. You get all of that if you switch to Charity Mobile and support the causes you care about. Call them at 1-877-474-3662 or chat with them online at charitymobile.com and mention offer code Walsh. So one of the consequences of living in a a civilization gone mad is that our collective priorities tend to be out of balance and confused, reflecting in general the state of things. It doesn't help that we're bombarded with a never-ending onslaught of information, misinformation, disinformation. It's hard to follow one particular ball when there are a million being thrown at you all at once, every day, forever and always. The result is, is that some of the most important stories of our time are either ignored or treated as merely one bouncing ball among many. And often there are very powerful forces working to ensure that we don't spend too much time focusing on it. That brings us to the story of COVID's origins, how it was formed, how it ended up in the population, and the apparently global cover-up designed to distract from these questions and obscure the answers. It all amounts to, quite easily, One of the greatest scandals in the history of the world. That's not an exaggeration. Perhaps, in fact, the greatest scandal. Yet, it's hardly discussed. And nobody, not one person anywhere, has been held accountable for it. The truth is out there, as they say. The information is available, but nothing comes from it. One of history's great scandals, and it lands with a thud and a yawn somehow. So here's the latest. uh, More details that, that should be breaking news everywhere reported with big screaming headlines, but instead it's been largely ignored, except for for some outlets, including the, The Blaze, which reports this. Quote, new information from previously redacted emails confirms that scientists consulting with government officials believed that the COVID-19 lab leak origins hypothesis was not only possible, but perhaps even likely before Dr. Anthony Fauci and Dr. Francis Collins worked to denounce the theory as a conspiracy. In a letter uh, to the head of the Department of Health and Human Services, House Judiciary Committee Ranking Member uh, Representative Jim Jordan and Committee on Oversight and Reform Ranking Members uh, Representative James Comer revealed the text of redacted emails from February 2020. That's February 2020. 
very back way at the beginning, in which prominent public health scientists discussed the origin of COVID-19 with Fauci and Collins. Okay, now we already knew from previously released emails that many of the leading scientists, virologists, epidemiologists in the world suspected early on that this virus was engineered in a Chinese lab. Now, that was also obvious to any common sense person based simply on the fact that it came out of Wuhan, right where a virus lab happened to be situated. Now, that's not conclusive proof in and of itself, but uh, if you see smoke and then you also see fire, it probably is safe to assume that the smoke is coming from the fire. But the scientists who looked at this had more than just common sense assumptions to go on. They inspected the virus itself and they could tell based on its features that it probably didn't come from a bowl of bat soup. Yet many of these very same scientists changed their tune rather suddenly and began denouncing the lab leak theory that they themselves had speculated about. Now, we already knew all of that. Now we get to the newest revelations. Uh, Quote, the new details reveal that Dr. Fauci was warned of two things. One, the potential that COVID-19 leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And two, the possibility that the virus was intentionally genetically manipulated, lawmakers wrote. According to the transcripts released by GOP staff, both Collins, the former director of the National Institute of Health, of Health, and Fauci, the current director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, were told by prominent scientists that the lab leak origin of COVID-19 was scientifically plausible. Now, there are a bunch of emails, uh, but one of the most important is from a guy named Dr. Jeremy Farrar to Fauci, Francis Collins, and another NIH official named Lawrence Tabick. And uh, this is summarizing a conference call involving all of these men. The Blaze says, quote, Farrar noted that Dr. Michael Farzan, a Scripps research professor of immunology and the discoverer of SARS receptor, was, quote, bothered by the furin site and has a hard time explaining that as an event outside the lab. The furin site is part of the cell, and I mean, it's scientific stuff I don't understand. I don't need to understand it. Uh, it says the email is referring to the, fur- the furin cleavage site of the uh, COVID-19 virus spike protein, a unique feature of the virus that makes it infectious. He said that this evidence means it's highly unlikely that the virus developed naturally. A different scientist on the same call, a microbiologist, said that there was, quote, no plausible natural scenario. No plausible natural scenario for this virus to go from bats to humans. And yet, as the Blaze reports, quote, regardless of these arguments, Collins wrote back to Farrar, Fauci, and Tabak later that day that he was, quote, coming around to the view that a natural origin is more likely, appearing to agree with arguments presented by Ron Fochier, a Dutch scientist that famously authored a controversial gain-of-function study, and Christian Drosgen, uh, Germany's leading COVID-19 expert. Fochier, in a February 2nd email thanking conference call participants for having the meeting, referred to the lab leak hypothesis as a conspiracy theory and said it would, quote, need to be supported by strong data beyond a reasonable doubt. Quote, it's good that this possibility was discussed in detail with a team of experts. However, further debate about such accusations would unnecessarily distract top researchers from their active duties and do unnecessary harm to science in general and science in China in particular. Collins said that he agreed with Farrar's view that, quote, a swift convening of experts and a confidence-inspiring framework is needed or the voices of conspiracy will quickly dominate, doing great potential harm to science and to international harmony. Wait, do harm to science? What does that mean? 
Science is a process for understanding the natural world. How can it be harmed? And especially, how can the truth harm it? Saying that the truth harms science, it's like saying love harms a marriage. It makes no sense. And as for damaging international harmony, one might think that the damage to international harmony was done by the country that released a virus onto the globe that killed millions of people. At any rate, Collins and Fauci continued to, dis- to discuss ways to suppress the lab leak hypothesis, a hypothesis that they knew was at the very least plausible. They both went on publicly to denounce it as a crazy, possibly racist conspiracy theory. The corporate media picked up this line, as did many high-ranking elected Democrats. Social media platforms started banning accounts that mentioned the possibility that the virus came from a lab. All of this happened, even though, as we know now, some of the, the leading scientists in the world, scientists that Fauci worked with, knew from the beginning that it likely came from a lab. So there was, we know now, a conspiracy to cover this up. Fauci and Collins ran cover for the Chinese government. And they had a lot of help in that effort. So to review and recap, the most plausible version of events based on the information currently available to us is that uh, a, a virus was engineered in a Chinese lab. It left the lab. I mean, we talk about lab leak, and that assumes that it was done accidentally. We certainly don't know that. Whether accidentally or intentionally, it left the lab. Many millions of people died as a result. Meanwhile, our public health authorities conspired to suppress the truth of its origin and defame and slander anyone who spoke up about it and censor and deplatform them. Um, this is like this is uh, this is Chernobyl times a thousand. In another world, at another time. This would all be treated as the biggest story on the planet. The media report would report on it every single day. There would be hearings and trials and tribunals. Fauci would already be under arrest. China would be the subject of a global investigative effort to figure out exactly what it did and why it did it. It would face reprisals and punishments for killing 5 million people. There'd be something like the Nuremberg trials happening right now. Instead, nobody's held accountable for anything. And our biggest concern with respect to China is ensuring that nobody says anything that might provide, uh, uh, you know, provoke anti-Asian sentiment. This is not a serious time and we are not a serious country. But it's a serious scandal. Maybe the most serious ever in history. Despite how it's treated. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, we all have favorite photos from vacations, family events, even uh, a cranky SOB like myself. I even have pictures that I cherish. And why not take those and turn those into beautiful works of art? If you want to truly give a meaningful gift, you've got to try PaintYourLife.com. Get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a, a truly affordable price or combine photos of people or places that you love into one painting so you can make your own sort of unique new um, scene from that. Choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. Their user-friendly platform makes it easy to order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. Very quick, very easy. And um, it's also, you, you get the, the final result back very quickly as well. You can receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. 
Um, and uh, I can also tell you it's a very hands-on experience throughout. They're always asking for your feedback as the uh, painting progresses. And so you have control the entire way through. Very responsive, very easy. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, it's a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word MATT to 64000. That's MATT to 64000. Text MATT to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text MATT to 64000. So I want to jump in right away with this uh, because it is simply fantastic. Really, it's one of my favorite videos of all time. This kind of brilliant comedy is what you might have gotten from a comedy show like SNL back when comedy was still legal. Now we have to settle for getting our comedy from real life. So um, so here is Western Australian premier Mark McGowan. He has uh, re- recorded a video where he's trying to communicate some basic things about, uh, about COVID to the Aboriginal community in the area. And so he's decided to, to begin with, speak very, very slowly using, using small words so that they can understand him. But he's even hired an Aboriginal elder to translate for him in real time. And the results are truly extraordinary. Let's watch. Important message to keep Aboriginal people safe. And the young message is probably an important one to keep everybody safe one. You can die from the corona or get really sick. You will again pass away from this corona, or you will again get really sick one. It's time to get the corona needle to keep people and country strong. Again, it's time to get them this needle, long corona, to keep them but all the people and country proper strong one. The corona needle will protect kids, old people, men and women. Well, the young corona needle gotta keep Mel a safe one for all the kids and for all the men and women. Okay. Many people around the world. Um, sorry, uh, I didn't understand any of that. I need it translated into American English. We need a third translator there. Actually, I, I did it, understand it. In fact, I um, I guess the big news here is I learned just now that I speak Aboriginal Australian, so I'm I am bilingual. That's a that's good news. Why not just have her, if you're going to do this, um, which you shouldn't in the first place, but why not just have her alone giving this address? If you you really feel that it's necessary, like, why do you need to be in the video too? You can tell that she's actually having trouble saying it differently. So that's, that's where she's struggling as a translator. Usually, I guess the challenge is to, you know, translate it correctly, but um, in this case, she's like looking at the words and she's trying to think, how am I supposed to say it differently from what you already just said? So she just puts the word one after everything she says. Um, but so if you're going to do it, just have her alone. Better yet, uh, don't do it at all. Because this is this is truly racist by definition. And, and I, I hate to uh, to engage in the whole uh, the, the left are the real racist thing. But but actually they are, right? I mean, it's true. It's true because the definition of racism 
is, um, and it does have an actual definition. It's got nothing to do with what we hear, the critical race theory proponents. It's power plus privilege and all that. It's got nothing to do with any of that. Racism is actually a very simple thing. Racism is um, the belief that a certain race of people are inferior to you because of their race. So it's not even a belief that an individual person of another race is inferior to you. That could be a rude thing to think or say. Um, but it's the belief that an entire race, because of their race, are inferior to yourself. That's racism. Like anything outside, there are a lot of other things that you can think and things you can say that are rude and not nice, but aren't racist. That's what racism is. And so we see how, in, in fact, really, the left actually are the real racist because this is how they feel. This guy, what's this guy's name again? Mark McGowan. He, he looks at the Aboriginal people as clearly like children. And so rather than speaking to them like adults and saying what he would say to everybody else, is to slow down. I mean, they speak English. That's the point here. But he's got to slow down, use very small words, and then have someone next to him translating it into sort of colloquial vernacular. That is, you, you believe that they're inferior to you. And this is what we always get from the left. Um, from these white knight, white leftists, they think that, um, that other races, they, they take this paternalistic pose and they treat other races as though they're all a bunch of children. Whereas the, the non-racist point of view is to, say, is to just hold everyone to the same standard. Have the same expectations for everybody. I don't care what race you are. I mean, if we all speak English, you should be able to understand English. Even if it's not in the, in, in your, we all have our own colloquial kind of way of speaking, but you should be able to understand an English that isn't, that isn't uh, couched in your own colloquial language or vernacular. That's the expectation I have for everybody. That's why I'm against affirmative action. Say, hold have the same expectation for everybody. Hold everyone to the same standard. I don't care what race you are. Here's the standard. Here's what we're looking for based on the merits. And whatever race you are, there's no reason why you can't um, live up to that standard. There's no reason why you can't get over that bar. And if you can't, then uh, you don't deserve to get hired for the position or to go to that school or whatever it is. So this is, if you're a white leftist, I mean, it's, it's really a, a you know, for, for not... Members of the other race, uh, you, you take a paternalistic view. They're inferior to you. And then members of your own race, you hate them also. So it's just, it's just racism and hatred and resentment sprayed in all directions towards everybody. All right, let's uh, move to Kamala Harris on NBC. Here she is, a couple, a couple clips here. Before we get to the, to the really good one, we'll start with this. Talking about how to find tests. Um, and she has an interesting response to that. Let's listen. Two years into this, mm -hmm. why didn't the administration just go out and, and secure more at-home tests? After the Delta surge in the fall, why are we at a point now where folks still can't get tests? But we just ordered, a, 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 I don't have the number in front of me, but millions of tests. We have 
20,000 sites where people can go. And I urge people to, you can Google it or go on to any search engine and find out where free testing and the free testing site is available. But Madam Vice President, the fact that we're still telling people to Google where you can get a test and... Well, you but, but, oh, but come on now. I mean, really, if you, if you want to figure out how to get across town to some restaurant you heard is great, you usually do Google to figure out where it is. So that's simply about giving people right a mechanism by which they can locate something that they need something that can help them I be- did she just say do google you know you got to do the, do the, the do google plug it into on the internet so you do the google what is with she seems to have picked this up from biden i don't know what it is with the biden mission but this is like in, infectious i guess where where she does this thing now too where her primary argument is come on i mean come on now come on Of course, the answer that she should be giving to this line of questioning about tests is that, look, we don't need uh, to have 100 million tests out there. Because if you're not sick, you don't need to be getting tests. The whole reason we're running out of tests, this this is one where I don't don't blame, I actually don't blame the Biden administration for this. The fact that there's uh, some places are running. The reason why some places are running out of tests is that you got all these, these psychotic people who are hoarding tests when they're not even sick. Um, that's why we're running out. As, as long as people are doing that, we're going to run out of tests. But what she should say is it doesn't matter. You don't need a test. If you're not sick, live your life. If you are sick, stay home. If you have a, if you have a fever or whatever, then just stay home like you would any other time. What do you need to test for? That's what she should say, but she, she, she can't say that uh, because she cannot abandon the course and abandon this strategy. And speaking of the strategy, she was also asked, um, is, is the strategy working? I mean, we're, we're looking at record levels of, of uh, COVID cases right now. Doesn't seem to be much indication that the Biden administration strategy is working. So is it time to change course? She's asked. And here's what she says. At what point does the administration say, you know what, this strategy isn't working. We're going to change strategies. Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. My God. I, so direct transcript here, okay? Um, I, I had trouble. I, I feel like I need the Aboriginal translator for that one, actually. That, that was, that one's, that's, this is tough to understand. So here's what she said. Direct transcript, verbatim. It's time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Let's pause on that sentence just for a second. It's time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Well, I, okay. So I guess like, in a way that makes sense. So whatever we're doing right now, it, it's, it's time for us to be doing that. And so like whatever you're, I'm trying to understand this, whatever you're doing in the present moment, well, it's obviously time that you're doing that. And so that time is every day because you're always living in the present moment. So whatever you're doing in that moment that's what you're doing in that moment, and, and that time is every day, all the time. Does that, that make sense? No, it doesn't make any sense at all, does it? Uh, and then she says, okay, so it's time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Every day it is time for us to agree 
that there are things and tools that are available to us to slow this thing down. The only part of that that sort of made sense is, from her perspective is every day it's time for us to agree. That's really what she wanted to get to. You know what it's time for every day? From Just agree with me. That's what it's time for. She is so bad at this. She is terrible at this. Um, probably the least skilled politician we've seen at this level, certainly in our lifetimes. I mean, there's a reason why Democrats are now thinking about pulling Hillary Clinton out of her crypt. I thought she was the least talented politician. Kamala Harris makes, makes Hillary Clinton look human by comparison. Makes Hillary Clinton look charismatic and skilled by comparison. She's really making me think that I could, why don't I just run at this point? I always thought, no, I could never run for political office because, number one, that sounds like hell on earth to be in that position. It's a lot more fun to complain about politicians than to be one of them. But also, I know that I, w- I would be terrible at it. Um, but I'd be better than this, at least. Wow. Uh, okay, moving now to, I just want to, one clip here. We've got members of the Republican establishment after this speech yesterday from Biden uh, in Georgia, where he said that everyone who disagrees with him is a Confederate and a racist. Uh, they're all, you know, and, 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 he, and Biden said that after claiming when he got into office that he wanted to unite everybody. So uh, Republican establishment, they're very upset about this. They, they feel backstabbed. Because they've been pretty supportive of Biden. They haven't been too critical of him. Um, some of them supported him over Trump. And so they thought that they, that they would always be the exception. And they thought at the very least, when Biden delivered a speech like this, he would say that my opponents are all racist, uh, except, for, except for these guys over here. They're fine. And the Republican establishment is shocked and appalled to find out that didn't happen. They're getting lumped in with everybody else. So here's Mitt Romney uh, expressing his, uh, his, his shock and, and horror. Prepared some remarks to, uh, to give this evening. Um, uh, but I uh, had the occasion to watch uh, President Biden as he spoke in Georgia uh, just a few minutes ago. And he said quite a number of things that simply weren't true. He also accused a number of my good and principled colleagues in the Senate of having sinister, even racist inclinations. He charged that voting against his bill allies us with Bull Connor, George Wallace, and Jefferson Davis. So much for unifying the country and working across the aisle. More troubling, however, he said that the goal of some Republicans is to, quote, turn the will of the voters into a mere suggestion. And so President Biden goes down the same tragic road taken by President Trump, casting doubt on the reliability of American elections. This is a sad, sad day. I expected more of President Biden. You did? Well, what does that tell you? What does that tell you about, what does that tell us about you, rather, I should say, that you expected more? Why did you expect more of President Biden? What has he ever shown you? And he's been in the public eye 
for 97 years. What is in 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 those the nearly century that he's been uh, on the stage? What has he ever shown you ever that would make you expect more? But Mitt Romney, totally scandalized by this, can't believe it. Uh, well, also Mitch McConnell also was was very very upset, nearly in in tears that uh, that he had been accused of racism in this way by a man who he he was he's just disappointed. He expected more. Let's listen. Yesterday, that very same man delivered a deliberately divisive speech that was designed to pull our country further apart. Twelve months ago, this president said we should see each other not as adversaries, but as neighbors. Yesterday, he called millions of Americans his domestic enemies. Who would have thought? He said he wanted to bring us all together. Turns out he didn't want to do that. These, these people will, will never learn. You know, as I've tried to explain many times, it, it, nobody wants unity, actually. Least of all, Joe Biden. Because unity for unity's sake can't exist. Got to unite around something. There have to be sort of like terms upon which we are, within which we are, we are uniting. And so the terms of unity for Joe Biden are that you do exactly as he says, and um, you submit, and then and then we can all have unity there. We can have unity in in chains. We can have unity in in submission, in obedience to him. That's what he means by unity. Just to clarify for you. Um, all right, this tweet from a doctor. This is Doctor Tatiana Prowl. And it looks at first like a joke, some sort of dark parody, but, it, but it's actually not. And it, it maybe is the perfect summation of, uh, of everything that's wrong with our society's COVID response. So Tatiana Prowl, MD, verified account on Twitter, so you know she's really important. She says, in case it helps to be concrete, my teen, my teen missed a step and rolled his ankle badly last night. In usual times, we'd go to his pediatrician or urgent care and get an x-ray. Nope. We'll sort it out when Omicron settles. We have no confidence that healthcare settings are safe right now. And you can see a picture of the guy's, the kid's, not the kid's ankle. And uh, a lot of discoloration. I'm not a doctor myself. She's supposedly a doctor. A lot of discoloration there. A lot of swelling. Could be, could be a, a sprained ankle. It could be a broken foot also. That's what it looks to me. But she's going to let her kid, and she's bragging about this. Eventually, she took the tweet down. She put her account on private and everything because she was, uh, you know, she, people were reacting to it by saying, oh, you're, you're neglecting and abusing your child. CPS need to, you know, someone needs to make a call to CPS here. This is, this is abuse and neglect. This is what medical neglect of a child looks like. But at first, anyway, she was proud of it. And she thought that she would get nothing but a pat on the back and an applause. That she's taking COVID seriously because that's all that matters. Just take COVID seriously. That's, that's the only medical thing that matters. That's the only threat that any of us face is COVID. Even Omicron, which is, uh, or Omnicorn, uh, apologize, which is nothing but a cold for almost everybody. And so she's going to let her child 
suffer. No x-ray and just, uh, I guess, hopefully give them some Tylenol. And uh, we'll, she says, we'll sort it out when uh, Omnicorn goes away. So, you know, next month, two months, three months, we'll sort it out then. If he's permanently disfigured by now, if he's got a bone that was broken and, and heals the wrong way and is, he's got like a bent foot now, well, you know, at least he didn't catch a cold. But she's going to do all of this, of course, as always, for herself, not for her kid. Because she's afraid to take the kid to the doctor, then she gets sick. She doesn't want him to pick something up and then give it to her. And we see how the, the priorities are totally flipped around here. That COVID is the number one threat that everyone faces. And for this kid, like right now, the biggest threat that he faces medically is that potentially broken bone that he has that's not getting treatment. All right, moving on. I got to. Sh- I have to show you this uh, also. We won't play much of it, but I saw it. Now, you have to see it. You know what the rules are uh, on this show. If I'm subjected to it, then I've got to pass the misery along. Uh, so let's play. We'll play just... Eh, I'll give you 30 seconds of this. I think that's enough to prove the point. Go ahead. Vaccinate. You're going to get corona from Mona. Don't vaccinate. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You got to vaccinate in the Lone Star State. Vaccination is so great. Vaccinate me all day long. Vaccinate your daddy and mom. Vaccinate my body. Vaccinate me at the party. A vaccine dream. I love the vaccine all day long. I want to vaccinate your mom. I want to stick it in your arm. Oh, my. Where are you? Uh, not a bad song, actually. You can tell he put a lot of I, he put a lot of work into that, and he and he memorized it and everything. I don't know. I don't know the context there. I don't know where that happened. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know what drugs this guy's on. Doesn't matter. He's on the vaccine at the very least, and that's it. Uh, you, you you saw it now. All right. This is from the New York Post. Uh, important news here. Um, this husband and wife improved their. I should have read this article ahead of time. Oh, I'm just going to read the first. This is the New York Post. And this is the first sentence of the article. It says, this husband and wife improved their boom boom by sleeping in separate bedrooms. This made it past an editor at a, ma- at a major <laughs> news publication. Uh, it uses the, the term boom boom to, re- to refer to sexual relations. Anyway, Terry Ann Michelle, a married mother of three, unwittingly sparked a now viral social media controversy after revealing that she and her husband, Jamie, improved their sex life by sleeping in different beds in different rooms of their house. Michelle told the Post, our lovemaking is actually better because we're both getting better sleep and it puts us in better moods. And we've made it more exciting by coming up with fun ways to be intimate. Afterwards, we're like, okay, it's time for bed and we sleep in our separate rooms, she added, noting that they do share their master suite on weekends. Michelle, a hairdresser and a stay-at-home mom who lives in a six-bedroom house in Ontario, Canada, briefed her over 20,000 TikTok followers of her bizarre arrangements on Tuesday. And um, this is what she says. She sleeps in different in different rooms. Experts agree. So there are experts on this subject of sleeping arrangements for couples, people that are apparently experts we're supposed to go to. Experts agree that a bedroom breakup can profoundly enhance a pair's romance. Uh, quote, choosing to sleep in separate beds and even separate rooms in order to increase the quality and frequency of great sleep is a wonderful way to enhance your sex life because it also puts a big emphasis on your own physical health. Sex and relationship expert Viviana Coles explained to The Post, and anything that you can do to increase and improve your physical health enhances your sexual health. You know what I want to know, first of all, is um, anytime I hear about 
sex and relationship experts. I want to know your own marital history. That's that's what we should know. I don't care about I don't care where you went to school. I don't care at all about your academic resume. I want to know if you're a relationship expert, are you married and uh, do you have kids and how long have you been married? You're not in the running to be a relationship expert if you're not at least married. So that that rules you out. If you're not married, you you haven't gotten to like the the sort of the finish line. Um of the, the opening stages of relationship and actually and actually tied the knot, then you're not a relationship expert. Um, if you've been married for certainly less than a decade, you're, you're not in the running to be a relationship expert. And if you don't have kids, you're also not a relationship expert. Because that's when, that's when the relationship is really tried by fire, is when you have kids. And there are all kinds of challenges that you meet in your relationship that relate to having kids, that if you've never been through that, then you're, you can't possibly be an expert. And then even if you have crossed that entire gauntlet, I'm not sure that you're still not a relationship expert. You, you maybe have some expertise in your own relationship, but as far as other people's, I'm not sure what you really have to offer. Um, here's what I will say. As someone who at least I am married, I've been married for 10 years and I have kids. So you can notice I, you know, I kind of I kind of set this up so that uh, I, I qualify as a relationship expert. That all happens to be a coincidence. Um, as far as sleeping in separate rooms and separate beds, yeah, I know the argument is that well, my spouse snores, I can't sleep. First of all, you suffer through that. You that's that's what you've signed up for, and you can bond in that suffering. My wife complains sometimes because she claims that I tend to snore. I've never heard myself snore. This is her allegation. And she complains about that sometimes. And I tell her, like, this is, you You should be, to hear the beautiful noises of my snoring, you should delight in that. You know, you should, this is, a, this is a, an amazing opportunity for you every single night to lie awake and reflect about how blessed you are to, to be married to me. You know, and to hear the the, the sweet song that, that I am that I am singing in my sleep to you. Um, and if you if if there's suffering that goes through that, then you know what, you you are strengthened in that suffering, while I sleep soundly. And the other great thing is that I I that I I sleep okay and I wake up and I'm fine. And you should take some solace in that. So I've explained that to my wife. She, it, it doesn't really, the, the argument doesn't resonate with her that well, but that's, that's, the, that's the thing. And, but also the other thing is you have to think about, uh, symbolism can be important in a marriage. Um, wearing a wedding ring is obviously symbolism. And you could say, oh, what, what does a wedding ring matter? Well, you could just take the wedding ring off. You don't need to wear a wedding ring. It's just a, it's just a piece of uh, equipment. It's just a piece of metal or whatever on your, on your, uh, on your hand. Yeah, but it's it's symbolism. It's about your bond with this other person. So you have to think about if you decide to take your wedding ring off and go about your day without it, what does that symbolize? What does that choice symbolize? It doesn't symbolize anything good. Separating into separate rooms, there's a lot of symbolism there. You're also setting a precedent. And part of the precedent is we have a problem and we're going to solve it by separating. And uh, once you lay that groundwork... You don't want to see where that leads. So I wouldn't recommend it. As the person who doesn't, you know, who, who sleeps well, I don't recommend it. Let's get now to the comment section. Do 
Corey B says, Matt, video games are super, and superhero movies are for 12-year-olds. Also, Matt, yay sledding, wee. Well, you know what? But it's okay because I, I do that with my children. That's one of the advantages of having kids is that you can do these, uh, you can experience these childlike things again with your kids. Even if I continue sledding after they've gone inside because they're cold. Still, it's still part of the parenting experience. Uh, so, you know, if you want to watch superhero movies, like as I, as I said, I took my kids to go watch Spider-Man. Perfectly acceptable. It's perfectly acceptable to take your kids to go watch a superhero movie. Um, after all, the movies are made for kids. But if you're just an adult, you don't even have kids, and you go to watch some kids movie by yourself or with another adult, that's weird. Okay? That's when it becomes an issue. All right. Uh, so if you, if you want an excuse to watch superhero movies, just have kids. Perfectly acceptable reason to have kids. Tom says, just think if only property owners could vote in local elections, any race, religion, or sex, but only property owners, what a difference that would make. No vagabonds, but only people with a stake in their communities. I love your use of the word vagabond. I think that's not used uh, nearly often enough. I understand the property owner argument. The problem is that there are, you know, these days there are plenty of people who are contributing members of their of society. They have jobs. They, you know, they care for their children. They care for their families, and they happen to rent. And so I, you know, I I don't think it's necessarily fair to exclude all of them. And uh, as you know, for me, I would settle with just a very brief ten question civics quiz, making sure that um, these people have about the awareness of current events and how our government works that we expect of like a fifth grader. And I would settle for that. But in my ideal scenario, there would be other qualifications as well. And I do think that there should be, I don't think we can do a property owner arrangement because as I said, so many people rent. Um, but you have to be employed. You have to be earning an income. We could think about, you have maybe, maybe only people who have dependents should be voting. Because these are the people that really have a stake in it. I would consider all of that. All of these possibilities that will never, ever happen in a million years. Charlene says, I think at the very least, people should be forced to answer a few basic questions before casting their vote. Numerous videos prove the majority can't name a past president or know the year of the Revolutionary War. Why should we trust our country's future in the hands of people who don't care enough to learn the most basic things? Uh, Seems like an obvious point to me. Obvious argument. Now, I know that the counter argument that you always hear is, well, who's going to be in charge of coming up with these tests? Uh, obviously, it'd be a government thing. Are we going to trust the government to do this? And yeah, I, I admit that, that is a, that's a downside to a plan like this. But what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is what we're living through right now. That just any ignoramus, any moron, any person, no matter how ignorant, someone who has no idea what's going on, can go in there and cast a vote based on nothing. So although there are downsides to a civics quiz scenario, and there are ways that that can be abused, our current scenario, our current, our current setup, has many more downsides and can also be abused and is being abused. Think about the way that the government and the powers that be can abuse the fact that stupid, ignorant people vote. Because the government loves it. 
This is one of the reasons why this plan will never be put into action. Because the people that are in power right now, it doesn't benefit them if only informed and intelligent people with a stake in the country are, are, are voting. The people currently in power right now, they would not be benefited by that, and they know it. It's much better for them to have as many morons as possible. Um, hey, what's going on? Says Matt, you said you wouldn't vote for an over 75-year-old, yet if it was between Trump and a Democrat, wouldn't you vote for the lesser of two evils? I personally don't think DeSantis is going to run. No, I said that I will, I will not support the nomination of anyone 75 or older. I didn't say that I wouldn't vote for them. I wouldn't, and that's an important distinction. I wouldn't support the nomination. So going through the nominating process in the primaries, when I'm looking at all the options, to me, that's a deal breaker. If you're a very elderly person and uh, you're going to approach or cross into your 80s while in office, I'm not, I'm not going to support your nomination. But if you are nominated, then yeah, it does become the lesser to evils thing. And I understand that. And I, I would still vote. But um, how about we just don't put ourselves in that position? Let's not put ourselves in a position where we have to do the lesser of two evils deal. How about nominating someone who could really be excited about? Like Ron DeSantis. Lisa says, Matt, okay, so if there were a person who felt that way about kids but never ever acted in even the most minor way and was immediately scared and upset about the feeling, um, but aside from a feeling this person has done nothing and never wants to, what would you suggest to that person? Or do you believe it's a choice and no one feels that way? Uh, I am certainly not advocating for them or normalizing, but you knock down a suggested solution without any other options. Do you feel such a person should deal with it on their own? That religion that religion should make it go away. What's your solution? Well, there is no solution, first of all. We have to, we're, you're talking about pedophilia here. Uh, there's no solution to it in the sense that we're not going to be able to do anything that makes it go away. And it's just not a part. We're not going to be able to, to erase pedophilia from the world completely. And uh, that's the first thing we have to do is, is realize that. And so now what we're doing is what's the best way to manage this problem? And the best way to manage it is to segregate the dangerous people, get them out of society. Um, the issue of, okay, you have someone that like you're talking about, someone who has these, this inclination, this impulse, they've never acted on it. And I assume you would agree, pornography and all that, that counts as acting on it. Because if they've acted on it in any way, I say send them to prison forever. Like, act on it one time, you're done forever. You're not getting a second chance. Because we know that there's not going to be any, there's never going to be a point where, where you can be, where we can trust that you've been rehabilitated and you're not a danger to society anymore. You're done forever. You're gone from society. But in your scenario, hypothetically, you've got someone who has these thoughts, never acted on them in any way whatsoever, never committed any crime at all. Um, you say that I was, I was, you know, shooting down the suggested "quote unquote" solution in the in the USA Today article. I didn't. I mean, the author of that article was saying, "Well, people like that, we need we they, they we need to get them into therapy. We need to figure out a way to to you know we, we need to start figuring out a way to help them suppress these feelings and all that." Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I think everybody would agree with that. My issue with the article is the way that all that that sentiment was couched in all this rhetoric about normalizing and destigmatizing that we don't want to do the fact that 
pedophilia is stigmatized is a very good thing. My greatest fear is that it will get to a point where it's no longer stigmatized. So we, we want it to be stigmatized. We don't want it to be treated as a normal thing. We don't want to talk about, you know, use different words, minor attracted person. We don't want to talk about them as though they're a community. None of that. So that was my issue with the article. You know, with the ever-increasing numbers of cars, uh, makes and models and everything, and all, all of the, the stuff that's out there, it's impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure the pointless, sometimes intimidating questioning about the specifications of your vehicle, only to have the guy behind the counter say, oh, well, we don't have that. we got to order it in. You know, you could have just cut out the middleman. You could have done it yourself. You have computers at, at home. You have a, one in your pocket with access to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and very easy to navigate. You can easily, quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices that you prefer. Best thing of all, prices at rockauto.com are reliably low and they're the same for everybody. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Why spend twice as much for the same parts and uh, and a, a worse selection? There's no reason to do it. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts that are available for your car, truck, right? Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So longtime fans of this show will remember that um, last week, a long time ago, we canceled trans YouTuber Samantha Lux, who posted a video attacking my best-selling LGBT novel, Johnny the Walrus, which is available for pre-order at johnnythewalrus.com. After I debunked Sam's debunking, many people in the comments informed me that YouTube is, in fact, full of videos criticizing my seminal work of children's literature, Johnny the Walrus, which is available at johnnythewalrus.com. They wanted to know why I only picked on good old Sam while leaving these other would-be debunkers unscathed. Well, as you know, I'm a big advocate for equity and inclusion. I would never want to single anybody out unfairly or leave or leave anybody out unfairly. And so today, I'm going to go through all the other anti-Johnny the Walrus videos on the platform and cancel all of them. Now, we're not going to have time, unfortunately, to watch all these videos in their entirety, but we'll watch a short and hopefully representative clip from each just so we get an idea of what they're all about, enough to demonstrate why they deserve to be canceled. Some of these videos are from accounts with lots of subscribers. Some of them have a subscriber base that includes their immediate families and nobody else. And some probably don't even have a fan base that large. But we're going we're to include the whole spectrum today because I think that's, that, that's the fairest thing. And again, this is about equity. So we begin with the YouTube channel Just a Lazy Gamer. Already you can appreciate the self-awareness at the very least. Let's see what Lazy Gamer has to say about uh, my book. Yes, Matt Walsh has decided to make a book hating on trans children because you know you got to get that hate speech in when they're young but here's the thing he's also decided to do the let's go brandon song bryson gray approach and go hey maybe you can get me in the top 10 and that'll that'll really show him if you, you give me your money and if we go to amazon he's already got 23 ratings no verified purchasers of course because the book hasn't made it to anyone's door now this book is on Amazon. Amazon has rules against hate speech in their book. They have that in the rules. And I get the feeling he's hoping that this book gets banned on Amazon to play the victim even more, maybe after they get it up to like number 15 or whatever on a chart. And of course, he's selling signed copies for, I think it's $30 with $10 shipping. 
because of course he is because the grifting never stops um okay to begin with he talks about there's a signed, signed copies. $30 for a signed copy is a steal. I'm, I'm literally the most prominent and respected LGBT children's author in American history, as well as the country's leading cult leader and the most generous philanthropist and abuela fundraiser of the 21st century. So my signature is worth thousands. Um, that I'd give it away for a measly $30 just speaks again to my generosity, not to mention my humility. Furthermore, I, I take a great exception to the claim that we wanted to get banned from Amazon after reaching number 15 on the chart. That's absurd. We wanted to get banned after reaching the top five. We did get to the top five, but we didn't get banned. Instead, we just got banned from Target, which was a rather sort of disappointing um, runner-up prize. Finally, the book does not hate on trans kids, primarily because there's no such thing as trans kids. My issue is with the adults who have invented the category of trans kids. So if I'm hating on anyone, it's them, because they're morally debased child abusers. Hopefully that clears that up. Now we have a YouTuber, Sam Collins. Sam has a larger presence on YouTube, over 800,000 subscribers. Let's see what Sam has to offer. And a simple procedure cuts feet into fins. The doctor wants to cut into Johnny and make him into a walrus. Ah, there it is. The whole mutilation thing. Because we chop ourselves up. Remember, when we have surgeries, we're mutilating ourselves and we're chopping ourselves up. It's also funny because this book is about a child and I've said over and over again, and many trans people have said that children don't get surgeries. We could say it a thousand times, but these people still just choose not to believe what we say. It's really funny because this can be explained with just one simple thought. Children don't get surgery, right? How would you ever have a surgery when you're not fully developed anyways? You can't cut this off if it's not there. So please explain to me how these children are getting surgeries. Uh, happily, I'll explain it. Uh, a few points here. First, no, I don't think that when trans people have surgery, they're mutilating themselves. Because if you have a trans person who has gallbladder surgery or gets their uh, ACL repaired or has heart surgery, I wouldn't call that mutilation. Surgeries that are meant to treat medical issues are not mutilation, no matter who's getting them. But a surgery that destroys a healthy body part or that slices open a healthy organ and flips it inside out is mutilation no matter who's getting it. By definition, that's mutilation. Now, if you don't believe me, let's go to the dictionary. Mutilation. Here's the, de the, the definition. An act or instance of destroying, removing, or severely damaging a limb or other body part of a person or animal. So what happens to the penis during a sex chain surgery? What happens to a woman's breasts during top surgery? These parts of the body are either removed or destroyed. They are, by definition, mutilated. There's no denying this. Now, as for the claim that children don't get these procedures, that is, uh, for one thing, a lie. Minor girls do, in fact, have their breasts removed. It's very common. Happens all the time. Minor boys have even had their penises mutilated. That also happens. But even if that weren't happening, still, children are being conditioned to make those choices, quote unquote, later on in life. They're being put on that path, even though they don't understand the path they're on. And even if most boys aren't being physically altered through surgery, they are being given puberty blockers like Lupron, which is chemical castration. The same drug used to chemically castrate sex offenders. So your argument, Sam, is that the boys aren't being surgically castrated. They're just being chemically castrated. And even that argument, as insane as it is, is also factually wrong. The truth is that both things are happening. 
Now we turn to uh, YouTuber Justin, Justin Freakin. The guy's, uh, you know, he's a, he's a formidable voice in the culture. He has uh, 6,000 subscribers, averages easily over 30 views per video. And his channel description promises, quote, uncensored and unfiltered political talk and debate from a leftist perspective, the day's top news stories and videos with astute social commentary. I'm not sure if we can trust the part of astute social, the part about, you know, astute social commentary. I don't know about that. We'll find out in a minute. But we can be confident that it's uncensored. If this guy's a leftist, then certainly we can be assured that he has not been censored. So let's bring, uh, let's see what he brings to the table. Not as insane as Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire releasing a children's book. Here is Matt Walsh apparently getting some children together for story hour with sweet baby Matt Walsh. Okay. Hello, boys and girls. Yeah, the kids look about as enthused as we are. He didn't draw the cartoons, and that's the main part of the book. Like, passing yourself off as the author of this stupid book is insane. Because you know what this book is? This book is an actual talented illustrator. And then some dumb words on top of it. Honestly, I don't know why this guy doesn't get more views. I mean, he's like Macho Man Randy Savage. If Macho Man Randy Savage uh, could only bench press 45 pounds and was a hippie. But Randy has exposed a startling truth that I did not illustrate my own children's book. I have tried to keep this hidden by putting the illustrator's name on the cover. I was hoping to hide it in plain sight. And my plan almost worked until Seth Rogen's unemployed cousin foiled the plot. Um, all right, let's finish this up with a, with a somewhat larger account. This is uh, Vaush or Vash. I don't know how to pronounce his name. 30, 386,000 subscribers. His video is titled, Matt Walsh Reads His New Anti-Trans Book to Kids, and I Am Incredibly Uncomfortable. And the video's done pretty well for him. It's got nearly 150,000 views. Let's skip ahead to, uh, I think, what is, I guess, the crux of his argument against my book. Wait, what is the lesson at the... Wait, so wait, now is he bird gender? Wait, what is the... What does any of this mean? What does any of this mean, man? Uh, no, he said earlier, people online told his mom a well-meaning mother was duped by evil transgender SJWs. Yeah, yeah, okay, but, like, what about the kid? Like, the kid didn't seem... After the kid said, I am a walrus, woo-woo, and had a picture taken of him, the kid had no input whatsoever. Did the kid want to eat the worms? If not, why didn't he stop? What Was was the kid like, I don't want to eat the worms, and the mom was like, no, you have to. The people on Instagram said that you have to, or I'm a big... Like, pfft. I, 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 I don't want to dig into this too hard because it's obviously really stupid, but I am genuinely astounded by the incompetence with which this was put together. Like, they paid an artist, they had it published, like, it's on sale. Like, how do you not put a little more effort? Not even just the quality of the art, but, like, the language used betrays such an incredible incompetence in using allegory to deliver a political message. That's true. I'm not good with language. I mean, we can't all be wordsmiths like uh, Vouch here, who says things like, the language used betrays such an incredible incompetence in using allegory to deliver a political message. Dude, why, why do you speak in real life like you're a ninth grader writing a book report and trying to hit a minimum word count? Y you think it's a bad allegory. Just say that. Though I'm not sure how you could judge the competence of the story or the allegory, considering you, by your own admission, don't understand the point. 
You're a grown adult who failed to grasp the extremely simple message in a rhyming children's book written on cardboard for preschoolers. And somehow you think that your failures of reading comprehension are an embarrassment to me. I mean, I am embarrassed watching this, but the embarrassment is of the secondhand variety, I assure you. The good news is that um, you seem to have almost understood the point. So you got to the 10-yard line intellectually before you fumbled the mental football. You nearly made it all the way there. Because you note how in the story, the mom is the focus, while the child, Johnny, has little input into his own alleged lifestyle choice. He's doing things, he's walking down a certain path, but it doesn't really seem like he's, he's choosing to go in that direction. Yes, Vouch, that's the point. That, that's exactly the point. That's what we're going for. The fact that Johnny's mommy is really the main character in a story that's ostensibly about Johnny himself is not an accident. That's a bit of intentional irony. Very much an intentional creative decision by the brilliant author of this book, which is available at johnnythewalrus.com. It's almost as if I'm trying to make the point that transgenderism among children is once again an event, an invention of the adults around them. No child can actually choose this path. They don't have the psychological and emotional formation required to make an informed decision about fundamentally altering their identities. Any child, therefore, who, who does make such a decision, decision, quote unquote, has been, by definition, pushed and pulled that way by the grown-ups in their lives. Do you understand now? Because I literally can't make it any simpler or plainer than that. The book is written at a reading level for kids who barely know how to read. So if that's still above your intellectual pay grade, I'm, I'm afraid there's, there's not much else I can do. Except say that you're canceled. Along with fake Randy Savage, Sam Collins, the rest of the YouTube hordes, who have all tried and failed to take down my book, Johnny the Walrus, which is available for sale at johnnythewalrus.com. We'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. The show is edited by Robbie Dantzler. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Tom Cotton trolls Chuck Schumer on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Donald Trump attacks Ron DeSantis. And the local Satanic Temple hosts an after-school club in a Midwestern elementary school. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show.